Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Okay. I have a really fun guest for us. Now, you know, we've talked about this, I don't know how many times on this podcast over the last seven years, about the importance of investing in the product you're selling. And for those of you, obviously, who are on this podcast, who are, or listen to this podcast, who are mortgage lenders, title reps, right? Title people, real estate agents, real estate investors, we need to be investing in the product that we're working with. And with me today is Roger Blankenship. Welcome, Roger, to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. So let me tell you a little bit about Roger, and we're going to kind of dig into some stuff that I think you're going to be really, really interested in. And I don't want to read his whole bio, but it's kind of over here, so I'm going to look at it. But basically, he has flipped 1,000 homes, and we're going to get a little into the nitty gritty on this a little bit, because I know that some of the flipping is not what everybody thinks it is, right? There's a little bit about but he also has a real estate show slash podcast called Flipping America. And, uh, you know, he's just brought this big, broad spectrum of a background that, you know, he's done so many different things. And I mean, heck, if you've done 2000 homes, you know, done some type of business, you know, with 2000 homes, you know, you've been through a lot of them. You have some horror stories, et cetera. What I also love about him is that he's very involved with his church and he's done a lot of education all over the world as a college professor and helping our troops. And there's just so much depth to what you do, but we're here today to talk about flipping America, right? We're here to talk about how do you get involved in real estate investing? Now, Roger, (laughs) so, so loan officers and realtors, you know, I've been training loan officers and realtors for a really long time, a little over 20 years. And I always ask, you know, how many of you own your own home? And, you know, some realtors don't because and some loan officers because they haven't gotten their business isn't profitable yet or they're young or whatever. And, you know, but most will say, OK, I own my own home. Great. How many of you own investment property? I would say 20 percent of any room, if that own a real hmm. estate investment property. That's interesting. Why is that? Why is it that real estate agents and loan officers aren't investing in their own? I'm using it very loosely. I mean, I'm sure there's many people that are watching and listening that are investing. I've really never given that much thought, but when you ask me, I just start laughing. I think it's because they have a better idea of what can go wrong. 
Yeah, maybe risk adverse. Yeah, well, they understand the risks a lot more clearly than mm-hmm. maybe even I do. You know, when I started in this business, it is embarrassing to tell now what I did and did not know. Yeah. You could take everything I knew about real estate and put it in a thimble and have room left over. But I just charged on ahead and figured, yeah, we'll figure this out as we go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think part of it too is that when you take the path of traditional financing and you take the path of the desire to be a real estate agent because you like people or you, you've always been interested in homes or decorating. I mean, that kind of is a path or a lot of real estate agents had a previous career and now they have this career and it's a secondary career that you go down that traditional path and you don't really realize that there are other ways to accumulate wealth with real estate. And right. it's hard for a lot of lenders to wrap their hands around wrap mortgages, for example, <laughs> like wraps, because that's one of the things I do. You know, like, oh, it's it's illegal and it's, oh my gosh, and you're going to get in trouble, right? Like all those things. But we all know that thousands of us have wrapped mortgages and never had a problem, but it's the understanding of it. So it's the traditional 20% down, buy a house, good luck saving 20% with your business going up and down, right? Save another 20%, buy a house. And certainly I did that in the early days. I did that step investing but I don't have 2000 houses. I haven't flipped through 2000 houses. So you've got some kind of magic sauce that we want to hear about. Oh, I don't know if it's anything magic about it, except I'm just too dumb to do anything else, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just, all the great I, Steve Sims. I've always been that. the sort of person that whenever I find something to do, I do it with all my might. I'm going yeah. to try my hardest. Yeah. We call that go for stupid. And the reason why I say that is Steve Sims says that he's a national speaker and he says, go for stupid, because if you go for what can people consider to be impossible, then it becomes impossible. So go for the stupid, go for beyond impossible, yeah. right? Do what you have to do to get it done. I love that. Yeah. 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 I love that. So tell us about your very first one. Can you remember all the way back? I can. <laughs> to that? Well, I bring it up a lot when I'm speaking around, around the country. So yeah, I remember it's a little house in Stockbridge. We paid 78000 for it at the courthouse auction. Now, people ask me why I got into fixing and flipping houses. And I tell them it's because of a lack of communicable job skills and sheer desperation. <laughs> but, um, you know, in yeah. my bio there, you'll see that I actually trained to be in the ministry. Yeah. And most of my world travels and the work that I've done with the military and, and teaching and so forth are related to those pursuits, degrees in education and theology. I don't have a degree in business or finance or real estate or anything like that. But because I spent most of my adult life broke because of what those jobs pay, I yeah. learned how to fix anything in my house rather than hiring the repairman. I go buy the tools, take a class or look at a video online or something and figure it out. Of course, there weren't many online videos back when I really started this, but yeah. I would talk to somebody who knew how to do it. And then I figure I could save a little money on the job, do the repair work and still have the tools when I had to go right. back and do the repair all over again. Cause I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but eventually I got to where I could fix anything in a house. So yeah. When I saw my career in the ministry coming to an end, what else am I going to do? Flip cheeseburgers, drive a school bus. I think I'm going to just Flip houses. go for this because I know how to fix houses. And so yeah. this first house that we bought in Stockbridge, I had a partner who was supposed to be the financial expert. He was a member of my congregation and my dad was putting up the money and I was in charge of fixing it. So I took a couple of weekends. It didn't need a whole lot. 
and I made some carpentry repairs and I reworked the, you know, the faucet and the kitchen sink and the master bathroom, just got bought new ones. And then I painted the whole house and then I didn't really install the carpet. I knew how, but I wasn't very good at that. And I didn't really have the stretcher. So we brought in some carpet and I did help unload it and, and did all that stuff. And we got the house fully repaired for about $3,500 and we put it on the market Yeah. Yeah. and we sold it to a conventional borrower. And you know, this was 2002 and I don't know if the 90 day flip rule is even in effect then, but I went back and looked at the deed records just to make sure we sold the house in less than 90 days. It was like 88 days from the day we bought it to the day we closed and we made $15,000. And so we split it three ways, my dad and my partner and me. And I looked at that check for 5,000. I thought, man, that's a lot of money because I was working in the ministry and had never made more than $35,000 in a year in salary. Yeah. And so 5,000 was a lot of money to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I could do, you know, another five or six of these in a year and make my living. Well, what if yeah. I did 10 or 15 or later on a hundred? Yeah. And that's where it went from there. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I know one of the things that people are thinking about is, okay, yeah, that was good. You know, and maybe they have the money and they have the skills or they know somebody in a networking group that can do the flipping and that type of thing, but it's finding the deal. And I always find that finding the deal is the hardest thing for most investors. It is to begin with. So how did you stumble upon that? uh, Just so that we know how you got that one. And then what did you do in the subsequent ones to find the deals? Well, in all fairness, in those days in the Atlanta area, it was pretty easy to find an opportunity at the courthouse steps. Typically every month, there were more properties being foreclosed on than there were people to buy them. Because Yeah, because we had that subprime lending going on. Yeah. I don't think it was that yet. I think just the word wasn't out. People didn't yeah. know. Yeah. And so all we had to do now, you have to have the cash. In Georgia, you have to have 100% of your cash money when yeah. you win the bid and yeah. pay right there. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, my dad bragged to all of his friends how much money he made on that first one. And his friends were calling me up and offering me money. So we were set for money. And then we just had to go to the steps. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't until it was probably almost 10 years later that it got almost impossible to buy at the steps when the hedge fund showed up here in, in Atlanta. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, in 2012, on the other side of everything. Yeah. 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 So how did you then, you know, so in the subsequent properties, then what have you been doing now to find properties? Are you, you know, there's a lot of thoughts behind, you know, hiring drivers isn't actually an app for that now where you can hire drivers to go and find, you know, absentee owners, you have it. hire all these people Mm -hmm. for all these things to do. But when you're busy, how do you find the time and what is the best method to be able to find these deals? Well, a little shameless plug. Any of your listeners can go to Amazon and get my book, Fantastic Deals and Where to Find Them. There you go. It's a little spoof on the Fantastic Beast thing. But I put in there the exact things I did to now have between 10 and 15,000 possible deals in my inbox every week. Yeah. That's 10,000 a week. But now that didn't happen overnight. It's something I developed years. And I didn't really even start developing it until after the hedge funds came to town. And then we weren't going to be able to buy much at the steps anymore. I could see that handwriting on the wall. Right. So I started learning these things. And you're talking about the Driving for Dollars app. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you want to name it, but we have No, it's good. It's good. Driving for Dollars. I know exactly which one it is. Yeah. Deal Machines is the one we use. I've had Um, him on my podcast, by the way. 
<laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm trying yeah. to get him on mine. So yeah. far, no luck. But oh, well, anyway. I'll take care of that for you. Yeah. Awesome. So we use the app and I have a team of people. I'm pretty busy. We do three podcasts and two live shows every week. And plus we buy, we're still buying anywhere from four to six houses every week. So I'm pretty busy with all of that. Yeah. But I have a team that um, is exploring all of the different things. We buy mailing lists. Mm -hmm. I've got a good list marketer. I don't buy them from a source on the internet, a good reputable list marketer. And so we buy lists and then we skip trace those and we dial, we do four to 500 dials a day. And then after we have dialed everyone that we can get a number for, which is really only about half the list, we start sending out snail mail because people yep. still respond to it. Yep. And I picked up a trick from a friend of mine, Vicki Scatini over in Mississippi. She said, the best thing to do is let a female hand address the envelope. So it looks like a female's handwriting to the husband of the house and spray it with perfume. <laughs> oh, God. Guarantee that letter will get opened. <laughs> I imagine we haven't tried that yet. I imagine it would. Do what? Oh. I said, I imagine. Yeah, I guess it would. Exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and it works for her. But, yeah. you know, we get a pretty good response rate just by hand addressing envelopes and out 100 a week. Mm -hmm. And from that 100, we'll get 8 to 12 phone calls in. We've got a website that people can discover us and we get leads off of the website. Our team is actively bidding on HUD properties in 10 states every single day. Yeah. And I think the recurring theme here is over and over and over persistent, <laughs> consistent, staying after it and making lots of offers. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of offers. And so tell me about your realtor partners. Do you have realtor partners that you work with in various areas? Or are yes. you just going right to the listing agent and that becomes the person you work with? If there's a listing agent. Not always. Yeah. We don't really have a real strong preference. We want to work with whoever wants to work with us. Some realtors don't want to work with investors. And I get yeah. that because some investors are just going to waste their time. Mm -hmm. So I actually developed a little conversation. It's a script in my mind and I have it written out that I teach my students to do. When we sit down with a realtor, we're going to say something like this. We're coming to this area, to this market. We're going to do some things. I'm not going to make you any crazy promises about how much volume. We're starting out by just dipping a toe in. We're not asking you for a discount, but I am looking for a realtor that can be my resource here in town. And here's what I would like to get to in our relationship. I don't know this market. I need someone who's going to, when I'm, I'm not going to ask you to run comps for me, you know, I'm not going to ask you to do my homework. We'll do our homework, but I would like to ask you to keep me from doing something really stupid. And then when I get a house, I'm planning to list it with you and I'll list all of my properties with you as long as you can sell them. But in order to do that, I want you to tell me what the price should be. And I want you to tell me what level of repairs we need to make. Do we need granite here, quartz there, laminate here, whatever it is we is need to mold? put in the house to make yeah. it really pop for your community. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I rely on the realtors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do too, for the investing that I was just talking about, you know, doing the wraps and stuff, you know, that is all realtor driven. And it's funny because, you know, yeah. the guru that I learned it through is all about snail mail and getting lists and stuff like that. And I just, I said, you know, look, I have these relationships with realtors that I've had for eons as a loan officer. And so when I left 
financing and went full-time into speaking and coaching and mentoring and whatnot, I stayed with them. I had those relationships. I kept those relationships and said, okay, so now I'm going to ramp up this. Here's what I want your involvement in if you're interested in, in being involved. And so we've been able to do some of those purchases, you know, through the wraps. Not so much now because values of homes are going up, but in the early stages, we could just a few years ago. And I imagine we'll be able to soon because there'll be people that continue to buy houses and we're going to see yes. foreclosure is going up, you know, because of COVID, because we have some forbearance that's going to be due and people aren't going to know what it's about. Yeah. So it's going to be good. So, okay. So that's really cool. Tell us a little bit about some of the, well, can we talk about Flipping America, the program I'm in? Can we talk about this unique avenue without giving away too many things? We can talk about... Yeah, we can talk about anything you want. So, so yeah, I want to share. Flipping America is a lot of things. Yeah. All right. But you're speaking about the Buyers Club. I'm speaking about the Buyers Club, but tell us about Flipping America, which is a lot of things first. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, it started life as a a radio show, believe it or not. And that's why we still do three podcasts a week, because in 2019, we're looking at either buying more airtime and more stations or just putting some emphasis and turning it into a podcast. So I have an hour long show that broadcast on AMFM stations three times a week. And we've hung on to that, although most of the people that listen to us now listen to the podcast, but that's fine. So the podcast was really born in 2019, but by that time we were already two years into it with, uh, you know, over a hundred shows. And now we've done, uh, see today's show was like 471 mm-hmm. and um, we'll hit 500 here in the next month or two. And so from the Well, from the beginning, the show was just designed to build credibility for my training program, which has now become the Flipping America Academy. We haven't launched our website for that yet, but it's a program of online courses and in-person coaching. I've got some different levels of coaching that we'll do to teach people either basic flipping or scaled up flipping or a whole lifestyle, full-time career of real estate investing that involves flips and cash flows. And so- I like to eat and I have a favorite restaurant in Atlanta I'd go to for lunch. And a couple of years ago, I told people, Hey, I'm going to be at Baranda Italian every Wednesday. If anybody wants to come by and talk real estate, whatever, just have lunch with me. We'll talk real estate. I'll answer any question you have. Wow. And it started with a couple, but then it grew to 50. Oh my and God. after we were having 50 every week with no effort, I started changing my Thursday night. I did a Thursday night meetup thing once a month. So we changed it to weekly. And it was starting to grow. We were hitting 20 and 30 people at that every Wednesday and every Thursday. And a gentleman here from Atlanta who has been around for 50 years investing in real estate, become a very dear friend of mine, Gordon Katz, said to me one day, you know what? You should just start a RIA with your national show. You should start a national RIA. And so we talked about that for three or four months. And then in January of 2020, we launched the Flipping America RIA, which is a national RIA with a local focus. Yeah. The vision is to have local chapters meeting for lunch every Wednesday, like I used to at the Baranda, and then tune in because the hardest thing about leading a local networking group is getting a speaker, right? Yeah. After yeah. a while, you run out of people that you know in the business. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is tune in to our national live stream every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern time, 1130 Central. And I've got somebody cool or interesting or some topic that you're going to want to hear about. And that can be the content for your meeting, but then you can do the the deal trading and the networking and so forth with your local group. Yeah. That's the vision of the RIA. We're doing some other things on Wednesdays too. 
It's still kind of in development, but I will tell you that we are planning to add a segment called Follow the Flip. We're going to have video coming in from different oh, yeah, locations yeah, yeah. around the yeah. country. Yeah. And then on Thursday nights, it's going to be a little bit more of a traditional RIA presentation, you know, maybe a 30, 40 minute presentation from somebody who's got some content or something they want to teach us. Maybe yeah. they've got a course they want to sell or something yeah. like that, yeah. uh, like a traditional RIA. And that's every Wednesday and Thursday. We launched in January of 2020, and today we have 32 chapters across the country. Wow. And our meetup groups have, uh, we're going to go over 10,500 today. We're at 10,490 this morning when I looked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what people need is they need to, you know, feel like they're not out there alone, you know, as they're putting this together and figuring out, you know, what's going to be work best for them. So a question I want to ask you is, you know, someone who's listening says, okay, you know, there's a thousands of ways to ways to invest, right? You could do tax liens, you could do deed in lieu, you could do foreclosures, you could do short sales. There's so many things that you could be doing. What have you found in all the people that you've, you know, coached and worked with over the years that someone could be doing to find out what aligns with them so they don't go down? You know, because I know the traditional path is, well, the best way to get in is doing wholesaling. And I hated that, hated it and said, no, I'm not doing wholesaling. And so I have found these two avenues that I particularly like, right, which is holding notes and wrap mortgages, right? Because I'm still holding a note. And those are the two that I like to do now. Now, of course, I have Airbnbs as well, but I've converted properties and rental properties into Airbnbs. But that's because that's what it works for me. But it took years to find out what works for me. So is there a magic way to or shortcut or a don't pass go or go pass go or whatever it is, you know, and figure out what works best for you so that you don't waste so much time figuring out what doesn't? You know, that's a great question. And I don't know if you already knew my answer to that question. I don't actually, Oh, <laughs> which might be, there is no answer. You have to oh, try. No, it. <laughs> no, no. I, I believe yeah. there is an answer, Yeah, but you couldn't have let in better. I have a free course called find your fit in real estate. Ah, there you go. The reason is, you know, and I say this often on my show, flipping houses isn't for everybody. No, no. And in fact, it's probably not for most people. Most people that are out there paying thirty or fifty thousand dollars to the hotel room gurus, they shouldn't. They don't need right. to do this. It's really not for everybody. But I do believe everyone can make money investing in real estate. You just have to find the right fit. And yeah. so I put my educator hat on and I started thinking about, all right, how do we figure this out? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with personality. Mm-hmm. And so when you take the find your fit course, the first thing I'm going to have you do is take a disc personality inventory. Let's see where yep. you are. And then a lot of it has to do with your own life situation. Mm-hmm. So the next lesson is we take an inventory of your situation. How much time do you have available? How much money do you have? How much training do you have? Do you have certain skills like marketing, home repair, negotiation? What do you bring to the table in all of this? And when you have identified all that, I actually have a chart that you fill out low, medium and high. And then I show you, this is what a wholesaler's chart looks like. All the, Ah. when they did their inventory, this is what a cash investor looks like. This is what a rental house owner, a landlord looks like. And which one of those charts matches your chart the best? That might be where you look first. Yeah. And there are some givens. If you don't have any money and you don't have good credit, your options are limited. Yeah. But if you have some money, you can do a few more things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have time, you probably are not going to be a fix and flip investor. But if you have some money, you can partner with, you know, right. Some, right. You know, or be broke. the hard money lender. Yeah. For others. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, okay. So my disc profile, I'm off the chart. I, I would have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I am an off the chart. I mean, I, the dot is off the circle, right? I'm an off the chart. I, yeah. And I've got a D, which of course I do. And then I've got some C. So I tend to be a helium balloon. That's like, Ooh, <laughs> ah. And then my C goes, ah, excuse me. We need to just make sure. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's good. It's good. And of course the D is in there too, because D's like, let's get her done, get her done, take action, take action, which is what I did when I contacted you and said, I want that house, you know, and yeah. then said, oh, and uh, by the way, I'm a virgin at doing this. So you need to help me. That's the D in me that said, go get it done. Yeah. And then the right. other side is like, oh, I need a checklist. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I'm a four, six, three, three persuader pattern. And uh-huh. on this scale, the six is as high as you can go with the I, and that's what I am. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I, probably one reason we connect so well, you and me, yeah. but that means that I need to surround myself with detail-oriented people. And that's oh, yeah. how you understand what it is. But once you understand that, and I actually had a guy on who has spent a career evaluating people in terms of, he calls it your divine design. Yeah. And uh, he goes beyond just your disc profile. He looks at other characteristics of your life, including, mm-hmm. you know, what he calls spiritual gifts. And yeah. he talks about that whole picture. I had him on my show last year. It was really interesting. He has helped people for years try to figure out. And that's really kind of what birthed the idea for this course. Yeah. Find your and fit. It's, yeah, yeah. It's designed to help people and it's completely free. We'll make sure we have a link to that because I'll tell you yeah. that could save years and years yep. And years. Yeah. And struggle. you may not pick the perfect thing with your first thing out of the gate, but you're going to be closer. It's going to save you yeah. some time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. So what is your favorite type of investing these days? I really think it's the, uh, what I call the bore houses, the things that we sell inside the buyer's club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it is. Too. So let's talk from- about that. Cause everyone's wanting to know now, cause okay. a lot of people don't know that acronym. Well, that's because I made it up. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> Uh, and it stands for buy, owner, finance, and repeat. And the only reason we gave it an acronym is because I was doing burr houses a long time before they gave it a name. And yeah. so if this is going to have a name, I want credit for it. All right. Yeah. So yeah. this is the idea of buying an inexpensive house. Usually it's an older house and sometimes a hundred years old. But last week I bought a house that was built in 1876. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they get pretty old, but people are still living in them Mm -hmm. and they are habitable houses. They all need some work, but I try not to buy them if they need a ton of work. So I got myself into a VIP program with the auction houses. That's auction.com, Zoom and Hudson and Marshall. And it's really kind of a neat opportunity. And it was presented to me a couple of years ago. And the gentleman that offered it to me at first, I really didn't believe him. I thought he was full of it because I've heard <laughs> stuff like this. Yeah. I've got the inside track on the auction houses and all that. Yeah. But he convinced me that he was on the up and up. And since that time, I've had the pleasure of meeting one of the VPs at auction.com. So this is uh, for a real thing, this little thing I'm into. And it gets us the auction data, not on the auction website, but in the form of spreadsheets. So we can yeah. really drill down and quickly find the properties that we want to bid on. In about 30 minutes of review, we can identify 200 properties to bid on every week. It's a little less these days, maybe 125 to 150, and we'll only get serious about maybe uh, 20 of them. Yeah. But I started buying these houses, and the idea is you buy a house in some little town, and you don't go there, you don't see it. You pay somebody 
to go change the locks and take you a full set of pictures. You figure out what the rent is and that if that house were in good condition and you put it out there for seller financing with a payment substantially equal less than that. Equal to the rent. rent. Yeah. Equal to less, or less, less than, than the rent. Yeah. Less yeah. than the rent. So, yeah. Yeah. Because you want it to be a deal. And the people know they have to fix it up. But all these people have seen the HDTV shows. And oh, yeah. they all dream it. Yeah, they'd say, oh, I'd love to fix up a house, put right. my own touch into it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, here you go. Not only can you do that, I'm going to finance you. Yeah. So we're buying the houses for, say, X, maybe 15000 and selling them for 3 and 4X, 45000 to 60000 mm-hmm. as is, where is. But we're seller financing them on a relatively short term, you know, seven to 10 years. And people can get their brains wrapped around that. Now, all of your mortgage people that are listening. Oh, are yeah. Gonna freak it's algebra. Out. <laughs> it, it, but they're going to freak out if I tell them what we do, because this is nothing I would do even for a rental property. But here's what we do. We don't pull any credit. Right. No, because no, I'm OK with that. And look, at I'm a lender. I get it. Yeah, we don't because this is a rental. I mean, you could if you wanted to. Help no, their it's lives. not a rental. It's not a rental. Well, Can't yeah, it's that. not Can't a rental, that. but you could if you wanted to. Yeah. 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 You could make it a rental if you want. But if it's a rental and you still hold title, then you are legally required to repair and maintain the property. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's not a rental. No, I know that. But I'm yeah. saying you could pull credit or have them pull their own yes. credit so you can look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so on my first one, that's what I tried to do. I tried to use my online provider that I use for my rental houses. Yeah. And the phone was ringing off the hook, but for three months, three months, no one took this house. In fact, no one even went to my uh, provider to run their credit. And I I called Eric and I said, what's going on, man? I don't think this thing works. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm having to go to this online profile. He said, nobody's going to do that. These people are not on the grid. They don't want to be on the grid. They're not lendable. They know you're going to turn them down. But they make their monthly payments with their rent and they want the pride of ownership. Yes. And so he said, do it this way. So I said, okay, I'll trust you. Yeah. And what we do is we verify employment and get the last two pay stubs. And if they're making, so their payment is no more than 30% of their monthly income, we let them in. Yeah. Yeah. No questions asked. I am amazed at how low our default rate is. I'm amazed. Well, because it's that you're giving them that opportunity. And I think that's where it comes in. You know, they don't take it for granted that someone's giving them that opportunity. Yeah. We have beautiful stories. Yeah. Yeah. I want to inject this just for a second to make sure that that the lenders understand this too. Because when we think about how we calculate, we always we didn't we didn't need algebra, right, in life, but we do, right? And how this is calculated is that we determine what the payment is, right? So let's call that the P and I, right? Or everything. We determine what that payment is. We uh, set the interest rate. Right. And then we have our loan amount, which is the purchase price minus just a couple thousand dollars, depending on the price of the house. Right. Maybe five thousand, two thousand down, you know, very small down payments. They can gather up from their friends and all of that. And so what we're doing is we're solving for term. And then that determines the term. And because these are are bought at such a low amount, we have a very short period of term on this, you know, anywhere from seven to 12 years max, that kind of thing. And maybe, you know, I mean, you obviously know better, but that's what we're doing is we're solving for term. I do it a little differently. I don't solve for term. Okay. I solve for my average annual return. I play with the numbers until I get the return I want. Ah, Now I do have... I do have the spreadsheet set up with the PV function. So yep, I have that uh, it spreadsheet. gives yep. me an effective sales price 
Yeah. And then I look at the sales price compared to the comps and make sure we're still in alignment. And if we're not, if it's too high, I will actually raise the interest rate because you can play with that too. Yeah. And yep. raising the interest rate lowers the effective sales price of the house without changing your return. Yeah. And yep. so that's true. I and see, and I'm learning all this. 25 to 30% average annual return. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the one that, the one that I just got, I think we're at uh, 54 on this one. The average annual return. Yeah, I think it was at 54, 34, okay. or 54, something like that. Yeah, it was pretty high because this was only $9,400, okay. the one I just got from you. One of my buddies who buys a lot of apartments has been trying to persuade me to include an IRR calculation yeah. in, the, yeah. in my analysis. Yes. And so we went through this This just yesterday. You're one of the first to hear this. We are killing it with IRR on these yeah. properties. Yeah. 40% or better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was so interested in, in that particular one, right? Because I, you know, it was $9,400. I think the average rents around there were like 660. And I think we're going to be offering it for 550 a month, something like that. And it's just this little two one in Illinois. And, you know, so I'm excited. So as I'm sharing all this, I'm still learning, you know, your technique in this, because we've done something completely different in note holding, you know, so my dad used to buy five acres of land with cash. Then you go down to the auction and get a double wide or a single wide trailer, have it taken up to the mountains in Colorado. He would put a permanent foundation on it, drill for water and well, and because he was a class A contractor. And so he would put all that stuff on there and then they would rent out the house. So they own it free and clear. They would rent out the house for four or five years. And if they made great payments, they would offer the house under land contract, right? Or just seller financing. And then when they passed away, that's what was left for us. Right. And so that's how I started getting into note holding and going, okay, I like this so much better than knocks on the door. I'm a flip. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. This doesn't work. I don't have patience for that. And that's what led me to the buyer's club is like, this is simple. This is easy. This is what I want to do as long as I can keep my money moving. And that's what we're doing is keeping our money yeah. moving. And my team and I are finding the houses for you. Yes. Um, the Buyer's Club is not a course that you take. <laughs> right. It's a club that you join. And yeah. so uh, we find the houses for you and we teach you what to do. And then we even provide somebody to do it for you if you want. Yeah. And she is. Emily's taking care of all of it for me. So I'm not even doing anything. I'm just like, are we going to close? What do I need to do? Just tell you what account everything goes in every single month and away we go. Yeah. I think it's really cool. And, you know, it's really special. And, and this isn't, you know, this whole podcast is not to pitch all that. If you have interest in it, of course, you need to be going and looking at it. I'm just saying, keep your money moving. And, you know, when we look at 2020 with COVID and how many people had the best year ever, what are you doing with that? What are you doing with that money? You know, and hopefully you're not buying the $35,000 watch to impress somebody. Because that won't be impressive a few years from now, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So as we kind of close out here today, give us any bits of nuggets that you would like to do. Just kind of bullet us and say, if you're going to do this, do that. If you, you know, if you don't like this, don't do that. If I were you and I was starting out, I would do this. Um, Just some tips that we can take in to say, you know what, am I ready to pull this trigger or not? Wow. Okay. If I were starting out today, the first thing I would do is I would get serious about connecting with all of my family and friends who might have money. And with my close family and friends, let's put our money together and let's do something. Yeah. And I would say, you can do this without any training like I did, but I can also tell you that although I didn't lose money on my first 500 flips, 
I left money on the table because there were sometimes I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, if I had invested in the training, I would have left less money on the training. So yeah. I tell people now, get your financial house in order, get some training, get a coach or a mentor and mm-hmm. follow a proven path. There are at least a thousand ways to make a million dollars in real estate. And there's one that's right for you. But as soon as you think you've identified it, start taking the steps, quit analyzing, quit thinking it through, quit thinking it over, assume that you will figure some things out. And sometimes the mistakes that we make is the tuition in the school of life, but get moving. Don't sit on the sideline because otherwise you'll never move. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's where a lot of people find themselves, you know, is this, I wish I did. I wish I could have. I wish I had done that. In fact, I was in a car with five very powerful women. We were at a six and seven figure women uh, retreat. And and I was kind of telling them about my, you know, the buyer's club and some of the other stuff I do. And they're like, I had no idea. I had no idea. And one of the things I want people to understand as they're listening to this is that if you're a real estate agent, if you're a loan officer, you are miles ahead of so many people in this world that have no clue about financing, none, and no clue about real estate. So you already have a yes. leg up on everyone. Don't squander that opportunity to ensure that you have some passive income and that you, when the day comes that you decide you want to leave lending or leave real estate, that you leave on your terms because you've set up a nest egg on the other side. Very good. Agreed. Because that's what you have. You have a beautiful nest egg. Yeah, (laughs) you have a beautiful nest egg. So Roger, we're going to have a link to everything that you just talked about. We're going to have a link to all of that. How many spots do you have left in your buyer's club? Because it's very exclusive. Well, right now we don't have any spots. But in June, we're going to open up for 40 more members. Great, great. In June, we're opening up. We'll take 40 more members in June and then we'll shut it down again until I make sure we can get enough houses for everybody to be happy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Everybody wants them. Yeah. You know, so we're good. I'll be glad when that opens up because I'm pretty sure my daughter's going to be in the club. As I told you earlier today, she's going to be, I have her coming, coming your way so that she can be in it too. And that we can share some of these opportunities. We will make exceptions for family members now. Oh, good. Then she'll be in right away. Great. Excellent. Yeah. 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 And then we can share opportunities. So, all right. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with today? Probably the most important thing that you could do in this entire business is just to take action. Just move. My kind of guy, my kind of guy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm all about taking action. So Roger, I want to say thank you so much for sharing. I know you have oodles and oodles and oodles of things that you could be telling us, you know, flipping 2000 houses or buying 2000 houses. There's so much more that we just can't possibly get here. But I thank you so much for sharing just a little bit of wisdom to give everyone a little bit of a taste in their mouth at being able to invest in real estate to ensure that they have a quality future. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Take care. Well, everybody, thank you again for listening into Mortgage Lending Mastery. If this is your first time listening, welcome to our little group, our little tribe here. And if it's your umpteenth time, again, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. And you know, my goal is always for you to get something out of this that you can take action on to improve your personal and professional life. And this will improve both. So thank you again for coming on and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? 
Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery Membership Community, where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.